You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Donnie Spiker. Hey, fellas, how are you? Hey, welcome. Greg Hectus. I'm here. All right. And Steve Thompson. Hola, amigos. Hola. On tonight's show, we'll talk about patent trolls. We hear what Dale Earnhardt Jr. has to say about all things iRacing. You'll get my thoughts on the new cube controls wheel. And as usual, we have tons of other topics. Take a load off and join us in the lounge. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll be discussing uh, by visiting iracerslounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers a realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you actually sit behind the wheel of a car, drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. Looks like iRacing senior broadcast producer Drew Atkinson has been teasing a road Atlanta party location via Twitter. If you show up, you might even get that iRacing hat. Yeah, a little jealous. I, I like swag, especially if it's uh, quality and it's stuff I'm interested in. So if I was at Road Atlanta, I'd be tracking this down. Hopefully get myself a free hat. What's a 437? Is that a uh, road marker? That's his uh, camping spot, I bet. That makes sense. That's how you find him to get the hat, right? Is he there yeah. for Petit Le Mans? Is that why he's there? Yeah, Emza is running, right? Yeah, Petit Le Mans would be there then. Well, get on it, guys. Get yourself a hat. All right, Donnie, tell us about iRacing versus real life. We have another side-by-side. Yeah, so this is based off an iRacing uh, video post to their YouTube channel of their new Radical, but SimRacer via Twitter shared their thoughts of iRacing's color balance by showing an iRacing video of the Radical SR1 at Road America. And um, yeah, I was impressed with the video. I know people give uh, iRacing a lot of grief for their yellow tint they have, but I'm not seeing it as much anymore. Maybe it's my own personal vision, but I've never had a problem with it, but this video looks fantastic. I agree. I mean, when you see them side by side, the greens are very comparable. I mean, you look at the grass and the, you know, the, the depth of the green, you know, the shade of green, it's matching. It doesn't, I don't, like you said, I don't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it either. Well, yeah, it seems like the other. Have, yeah, when people have something to complain about, they seem to be grasping at straws when they 
uh, complain about the yellow tint sometimes, but I don't know. Either it's getting better or I'm just not seeing it as much. Well, the real proof in the pit pudding is, uh, do the lap times match? Do the cars have the same kind of grip level? Do they have the same lap times? I mean, um, just the basic, uh, you know, parts of, uh, being a simulator and it's looks spot on. Um, I mean, they do a lot of cutting of the camera here. So obviously we can't be for certain that they're not lining up the videos, but, uh, the way they present it, it, you know, I presume they're, they're timed, you know, where they're getting the same lap time. It looks pretty in sync. If the speed that they're going, if they're hitting the apexes and stuff at the same time, I don't see it really changing much, but uh, it could be a little bit off. Pretty cool. Okay. We got some other announcements. I'll take this one. The Daytona track content restructure project. And so we heard from staff in the forums and I'll read a few things of what they're changing. Beginning with the season four build, four track layouts will be removed from Legacy Daytona. The 2008 package is going to be moved into the paid Daytona Speedway package. These 2008 layouts include oval, road, moto, and short. As a result, the Daytona International Speedway package will combine for a total of nine configurations. The rally cross configs that used to be part of Legacy Daytona 2008 will not be affected by this change and will remain as included free content with the iRacing membership. The package will be renamed to Daytona Rallycross. iRacing will also be adding multiple pieces of all new content to its list to include cars and tracks for members and coming builds. Yeah, makes sense. Now, yeah, Daytona, that, is that a paid track or is that included? It's paid. Yeah, when you get on, you get the Legacy Daytona and you got to buy the, the new the new Daytona. So they're basically taking the legacy away from you now. So you only, so you have to get a Daytona by paying. That's the only way you can get one. Basically, that's the way it kind of reads. How much is being run on uh, the legacy oval currently? Probably the, the lower series, I imagine. Probably the 87. 87s and stuff like that. It's so bumpy. <laughs> um, so what I find interesting when I look at the total of nine configurations, they have two oval configurations. They have the regular oval and the 2008 oval. And I can't remember a track where we had two oval configurations. Is this a first? I wish they, it'd be interesting if they, like, if they're going to start condensing some of these things into packages. Do you see that, that kind of maybe happening with something, say Atlanta, you have the new Atlanta and then you have the legacy Atlanta when they make it, they, you know, they combine it together in a package. Yeah, why not? Atlanta is Atlanta, right? Yeah, Phoenix would be the same way too, wouldn't it? Right, you'd have different layers on Phoenix. Uh, makes sense to me. You go searching for a track, you pull, you type in the word Phoenix. You only want to see it once, really. There's only one Phoenix, right? I was going to say, isn't Phoenix like three different configurations? They were changing it year by year there for a while. Yeah, it's true. They do have three configurations. I wonder if they're going to be taking all the free tracks away so you have to purchase them. So my son just got on a couple months ago, and he doesn't have nearly way more than half of the legacy content that I had when I started. So he doesn't have Michigan, uh, the legacy Michigan. And I, I went in just to check, and he's missing a ton of the legacy stuff that I got. So I think they're slowly heading that way. Well, 
the last sentence does say they're adding multiple pieces of all new content to the included cars and tracks for members and coming builds. So they're going to offer something, do you think it's something free then for the for new members? Well, that's the way it reads when it says the word included. Yeah, free. So, so that'd be for the new year, kind of after people buy their memberships the end of this year type thing. And then, because um, we usually have what the Black Friday sale and then, and then it, that'll bring about a, a couple months away from the next build. And then, um, you know, you can, they have to have some new stuff for the new members. All right, uh, Donnie, we got some other new announcements uh, on the open wheel side. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about this. We've been, uh, this has been a complaint with these two series for a while now. Might not affect you anymore. I can imagine you're moving on up since you uh, are becoming the new road king here on the team. You want to leave these series behind. <laughs> but uh, the USF 2000 and the Indy Pro uh, series are making some adjustments with their schedule starting in uh, season one for 2023. And a lot has to do with their time slots and the tracks they're visiting. A big complaint they had in the past was they were using too many of the European tracks since this is an Indy Pro and Indy Ladder. So they're going to try to stick um, a little bit more to the North American side and they're going to alternate uh, time slots. So on one hour, the USF car will go. And then the next hour, the Indy Pro car will go and alternate that way. Kind of like the late model and super late models do on the, the stock car side. So um, I know this has been around their forums for a while and it's, I don't it, is it every hour currently now, Mike, that you run it? Yeah, and uh, it's 15 minutes and 25 minutes, respectively. That'll also change to uh, a flat-out lap count instead of a timed event. Right now, they're timed events. So they're going to change it to a lap count. That'll be approximately the same amount of time. And I really like that because I like to see how many laps are left and that kind of thing. And the clock really throws me off. But one of them is open and one of them's fixed as well. And uh, yeah, I don't run the Indy Pro, but after reading this, I think, you know, season one will be the time I start with Indy Pro and I'll run probably both of these. I'm still uh, having fun with the USF 2000 series. I think it's really helped my road racing. Um, just getting that new wheel and running this series with the Skip Barber as well. Um, I think I picked up a few tips, but uh, yeah, pretty cool. So if you're going to run Indy Pro next season, uh, the forums is a great community, and they have a lot of sets in there as well. Uh, but the forum, there's a good group in there, and they run a for that series in particular. It's, it's pretty awesome. So check that out. If you're going to run the Indy Pro 2000 next season, get into their forums on the iRacing uh, member forums. But, uh, yeah. I, I can't remember, Mike, with these. These got to be just a little bit under – what the indie lights would be, right? Like, that's kind of the series that they're missing to feed the indie car series would be the indie light series, if they ever scan that and and maybe added some of the tracks that uh, um, the more of the tracks that they can race on. But it seems like most of the indie cars are now going to street circuits, so that makes it even harder for scanning and things like that. Yeah, no, you're you're right. So the USF would be like their D level. Um, Indy Pro would be C, and then they're missing the B, and then obviously IndyCar would be their A. Right now, IndyCar, I believe, is A, but they're going to try to match the schedules as well. So what they're racing in real life, um, they're going to try to put in the schedule. And the USF series will race on the same tracks as the Indy Pro, just like it does uh, in real life. So hopefully it works. They're, they're both good cars to run. 
uh, two ovals and ten road courses. Would they be small ovals, Mike? It's probably like small, smaller type ovals. It's not a big oval for those ones. Lanier was a recent oval in the F2000. I got wrecked out of. I wasn't doing too bad before I got wrecked. I've raced Charlotte in the F2000, so they've they've gone up to track that big. But usually it's your mile. Iowa would be it. They'll they'll race on Iowa, especially with the Indy Pro. They'll race on Iowa. Well, with only two ovals a season, I mean, you got they're they're not going to hit a lot of them. Obviously, they need to crank that up. Maybe make it four and eight, or even six and six. In my opinion, I guess. I wonder what the current uh, balance is. Does this match the current balance on the current schedule of the real life cars? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. What kind of turnout do they get for these races? I mean, it's usually a split or two. It's a full split usually. Yeah, even West Coast Friday night times when I usually run them, when I did run them, it was usually one or two splits, one full split or two two smaller splits. It's enough cars that you're not wasting your time usually. It's at least 12 or 15. I don't like to race when there's only four or five race cars. I, I just I don't feel like that's a race. All right, Steve, we got a uh, announced retirement from the E-NASCAR Coke series. Yeah, well, it looks like we're losing another driver. E-NASCAR driver Blake Reynolds was the latest driver to announce on his Twitter page that he's retiring from iRacing's highest football series. He says, uh, Blake says, hey, y'all, I've been thinking on this decision for a while now. I've asked many people close to me what their thoughts are on it. It took several months, but I've come to a final decision. I'm leaving E-NASCAR at season's end. That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, and we were trying to count before the show how many Coke drivers have announced a retirement this year. I've kind of lost track. I think we're at four now, if I'm not right. But, uh, but Blake Reynolds, I'm a fan. Uh, at one point, one year, he was contending for a championship, and and that you know he had some wins, and he was quick, and I liked his style. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna miss seeing Blake Reynolds uh, out there in the in the Coke NASCAR. Yeah, we hit on it a couple weeks ago with the last one that announced that he was uh, he was leaving. And these are young kids, and their um, time's just going to catch up with them, and they're going to want to go do things. And it is what it is. We'll just get another young group of kids to come on up and and take their place. Now, Mike, the one thing I was I, I'm not following the points very much here is was he in risk of falling out of the series to have to qualify this year, or is he still locked in for next year? Not certain, but I don't think he's at risk. I think he's top 20. So, um, yeah. So it'll be interesting that some of the guys that are retiring are saying, you know, hey, I'm not coming back, but they might end up in the top 20. You know, like somebody like a Logan Clampett, a, a Blake Reynolds. Uh, I can't remember who else. Um, they're going to, you know, basically mean that, you know, they're going to take the top 22 in points, actually, or something like that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they do that for next year. All right, I got this one. Yeager wins the iRacing World of Outlaws late model series finale at Charlotte. But of course, Evan Say claims the title in the $25,000. No surprise that Evan Say is going to take the championship here. Um, we got a couple replays of them mixing it up here on the script. Of course, Brian's not with us tonight to give us the lowdown. I didn't actually see the race. 
So we're going to leave it at that. We're going to leave congratulations to Evan. Uh, fantastic uh, run. I mean, finishing in, like I think Brian said, the top two or three almost every race and to have such a point lead at the end, uh, it, it's an impressive feat. Yeah, it sure is. I wonder, it says 2,500 at the top. Is it, is it 25,000 or 2,500? I'm pretty sure it's 25,000. Yeah, it says right here, uh, 25,000 on the page. That's awesome. I don't know if that's the overall purse and they're splitting it uh, and he gets, you know, the most of it. Not sure about that. Or does he get the whole shebang? It's. I think that's for the whole, everybody. Yeah, it's his largest share of the 25 schools. So. There you go. It's probably like 15, 10, or 15, some eight and something else or whatever, or 10, eight and something. I don't know. Here, Mike, can I take this next one? It's all yours. So uh, I'm just trying to bring up the name here. Who uh, posted this? Let's take a second to look. Um, uh, do you have the name, Mike? It's for some reason, yeah, I'm checking the top of the page for that one. But anyways, um, it was posted in the forums. Um, someone was uh, wondering what is needed for the Porsche Mission R series. Uh, they said that they bought it from day one. It's certainly a different, and the quality uh, mode is spectacular. Um, but the series is particularly dead. Half the sessions don't even make set, uh, make it to legitimate fields. Uh, has this happened before uh, with iRacing, the new uh, car content? Is there anything you can uh, do to increase uh, participation numbers, or has it fallen flat by iRacing standards? I'm going to put my two cents in here. Obviously, I don't know. I know in the world right now, um, I can speak with my own thing. Like the the electric, a fully electric stuff doesn't really tickle my fancy at all i i don't find any of the racing that has been put on by even the e-formula or anything like that um i find that this i don't know who obviously porsche pushed this car probably to iRacing but it wasn't really desired and if you don't have a desire for something to be added into it or any hype to generate beforehand i don't think this is this is what the result of what happens if you have no hype, um, no lead up. Do you, like, do you remember when they first announced the F1 car coming to iRacing? Like all the hype and all that stuff that they, all the videos and things like that. I, I know the participation now in the F1 is a, they're talking about it being a little bit low, but I just think this is such a a singular niche for someone. Like you have to really really like it, and I just. I don't even like the constant hum of driving it around. It's like, I'm, I'm a muscle car head type guy. I like the sound of big motors or turbos and things like that. So I just, I don't, I don't have a fancy for it. And I think that's the problem is just, there's just not enough people. We're a bunch of old guys. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot to kill the dinosaurs off. Right. It's like a meteor. I'm I'm not surprised that it has no participation. Um, and the thread talks about, you know, he answers these questions. You know, some other point out the Delara jet car, as I affectionately call it. Uh, it, it you know, that series died pretty quick. Um, 
but it wasn't a it was a fantasy car the whole and i think that had a, that was a big problem with that car is people didn't buy into it because of that but this you know like you said it, there's no hype it's more like roll your eyes i mean when you think about racing in an all-electric car uh it's not something i'm into at all and in fact the the sound of it it reminds me of you know the nails on the chalkboard kind of thing yeah it's not not a surprise and it shouldn't be looked at as a failure either they probably porsche like you mentioned he wanted or they wanted to get this car on the service somehow and if if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out it could work out in the future for somebody a different series down the road but but yeah people have to there need has to be a want i'm, I'm missing the word here um to to be able to fill that need but uh, like the jet car, jet car was cool when it came out. It was great. They hyped the crap out of that thing. And then it's just not going to last. The F1 car is not lasting. We think it's because of it's just a Mercedes and you can't paint it. That's a big, big uh, death blow for that series. Uh, but once that gets rectified, maybe probably won't. But once that gets rectified, um, that could change. But for now, that's the only electric car in the service. And that's probably how it's going to be for a while. Yeah, I think the same thing. I, I work in the automotive industry and the uh, Mach E Forbes. I mean, we we don't sell very many of them. Matter of fact, the order bank opened up, and I I think I got five orders total. And like the Maverick hybrids, they sold out the first day in four hours. So people are still, and maybe they're going toward that. Maybe a hybrid for better gas mileage. But no, hardly anybody wants an electric car. We've got we live here in off I forty, and um, on a Labor Day weekend. There was probably 200 Teslas lined up to get charged. So I don't think people are really excited too much about them, especially if they got to travel. I heard that little Maverick is doing great. Yeah, totally sold out. Sold out in four hours. So. Now, here's something that always, and we got to look at the, the healthy um, series in this um, series in iRacing. They're all manufacturer based. So if you look at, on the oval side, you have the three main manufacturers running, you know, the ovals, um, and that that's what drives it. And and then on the road side, you have all the different manufacturers that run. Um, like if you look at the IMSA series, it's always packed because, you know, people like to follow a brand. Um, the Porsche, the Porsche, have being a single Porsche electric car, and it might uh, hurt it as well. If you had it, maybe going up against. You know, if there was ever a series where it was a BMW or a Mercedes or like maybe if they maybe even down the road, if they had this series added in as um, electric series in the IMSA series or something like that is to try and get participation with it. But I just think having a single car that looks the same um, and like you said, Mike, with the F1 car, whoever said it with the F1 car there is it's just a Mercedes. Like everybody follows their brand. They want Ferrari, they want Red Bull, things like that. And you, it's, you kind of limit your, your fan base if you, if you don't offer uh, more to it. And I think that's what can really hurt a series. And, and you hit it on the head there. If Ford brought in tie racing, their Ford performance Maki, I won't call it a Mustang because it shouldn't be called a Mustang, but if they brought in the Ford performance Maki, I'm buying it and I'm going to race it in that series. I heard nothing but great things about that package. Um, but who knows? But on the other hand, you got like the Skip Barber series. They drive one car and that series always has a lot of cars, doesn't it? 
I think that's helped because it's considered like a rookie series too. And it's, it's the easiest one for someone to hop into participation wise to bring up your I rating, safety rating, things like that. And it's used to graduate licenses. Maybe, I mean, maybe Steve, what you're, you're hitting on there is maybe it needs to be used for tear jumping somehow, maybe with like, maybe it shouldn't be a paid content. Maybe this is something that should have been maybe pushed by for or Porsche to be um, free content to try and drive it. That's a great idea. Yeah. Maybe there's going to be an electric car ladder coming soon. Okay, Steve, you got the big story. This came out of the blue. iRacing defeats a meritless patent lawsuit. Yeah, iRacing.com is pleased to announce that on September 20th, 2022, the United States District Court for the District of Massachusetts granted iRacing.com's motion to dismiss the patent lawsuit filed against it. And they said from iRacing, we are very excited with the results, said iRacing President Anthony Gardner. It's a big win for us and by extension, the whole industry which has been working hard to create dynamic track racing surfaces for the iRacing community for years and years. The opinion sends a clear mass message to patent trolls. Patent trolls. Title idea. Those are real people. Yeah, I remember uh, Adam Carollo. He spent millions and millions of dollars finding these trolls because somebody said that uh, they own the patent or they created created the podcast so podcasting platform and uh i know he had large donations to help fight that cause of his podcast man we'd be in trouble huh oh yeah yeah there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of podcasters in there so the patent uh argument was over dynamic track apparently um and you know obviously this company that you know brought the lawsuit isn't really in the software business they're one of those patent trolls that just file frivolous lawsuits trying to uh to make something happen now obviously kudos to iRacing for being smart enough and having the right people in place to lawyer up you know to get the uh, lawyers involved and and fight it and because the worst thing you can do is ignore it and just let this guy take it, you know? Pretty cool. Okay, we got a quick hit. Donnie about Dale Earnhardt Jr. said on his podcast, what uh, track that he wants to line up to get scanned next? Yeah, and apparently he talks about Oswego again. We brought this up about a month ago, six weeks ago. Now, I listened to this podcast today all the way up until the questions at the end, and I turned it off with maybe a handful to go. Did, is that when they talked about it? I don't know. I didn't watch the, listen to the podcast. I watched this particular video and it was somewhere in the middle of this video. He just says it briefly. Um, he moves on to another thing, but he, he literally says, Hey, Oswego Speedway, we want to come and scan you is what so, he says. So I wonder if this is a friendly way into bullying them to get their track scanned. <laughs> A public way to just let them know, hey, we're we're trying to reach out to you, and you're not responding. <laughs> put the put the pressure on them. Hey, interesting. He on that podcast, he was talking. He interviewed uh, Ned 
Yost, who was a uh, general manager for, I believe it was the Braves. And um, Ned Yost was talking about how he wanted to get on the beta for uh, Papyrus's iRacing platform and how he, he begged everybody that he could find because uh, this guy was good friends with uh, Dale Sr. And even asked Dale Jr. to try to help him get on. And he happened to be sitting in a box at uh, one of the baseball, he was watching baseball somewhere. And uh, who's the guy that owns the baseball team that owns iRacing? John Fenway. Henry. John Fenway, Henry. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, he was in the box and he went over to ask him if he could get him on the beta. And he said, yeah, call me tomorrow morning to get, get him on the beta. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I you got a hookup. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool because they had mentioned they used to see Dale as a kid playing playing the video games and they didn't get it. And then one day, Ned Yost, the gentleman you're talking about, uh, he totally got hooked on it. And then, like you were saying, Steve, when I recently came out, he was uh, first on board with one of those beta guys, as one of those beta guys. Pretty cool. All right, let's jump right into some other Dale Earnhardt information. Uh, iRacing put out part two of the, his interview at headquarters. And number one, he talks about North Wilkesboro. Further thoughts on what he was thinking when they scanned the track. Racing in real life was not even a thought process. He was just saying, look, we're just trying to get this digitized so we can race it, you know, in the sim. Not in a million years was he he thinking that they would get be able to actually race there like they ended up doing. Yeah, no, that that's cool. And I I, re I just remember this whole process going down. I wasn't on the service yet. I was still in the sales job, sales uh, pitch position to the wife on, on getting on. And I actually use this as a part of, of part of my angle was like, Hey, this guy's just going to go to a, a forest riddled track, cut all the shit down. Um, sorry, all the, the trees down, uh, mow the track down, get all the weeds out. And they're going to scan it, put it on the service. I thought it was the coolest thing. And um, even back then, I don't remember ever them talking about reviving the track. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, especially when you think the All-Star Race is going to be there next year. Uh, second was, what new projects are you working on with iRacing? He said, late model stocks are getting a fresh scan, literally as he speaks, he said. Uh, expanding on different manufacturers like the 87 Pontiac. Uh, street stock, we have the Camaro, but let's get other makes involved. And then let's bring the Wagon Legends cars in. Yeah, these are all good points. And when I'm watching this interview, and it's the same thing we talked about above, like they're hearing this come out of his mouth and they're like, dang it, now we got to make it happen. Right. He definitely has the power. But he's right about the street stocks. It'd be nice to see uh, some other makes in there. And uh, the 87 we talked about a couple weeks ago, we, we've actually seen them scan that uh, via Twitter photos. He talked about a little bit why the 87 Pontiac as a fourth manufacturer to that series is not really a profitable project for iRacing because, you know, it's a fourth. I mean, there's not too many people that are going to buy into the fourth one if they already have one of the other three. And so, but it's more about, you know, the overall experience. You know, he wants to be able to run all four manufacturers at Wils Wilkesboro because that's what they did. And so I love it. I, I love that they do what's right, even if it's not profitable. Yeah, it might not be profitable on in regards to selling 87s, but it could just blow up the series even more. Uh, people getting more on board with it, knowing that they're getting all the manufacturers in there. 
um, and running a, a lot of the old tracks um, that they ran on back then. And that, that same point is added to the, to the street stocks. Uh, he, that, uh, that was a point he made bringing up uh, more manufacturers for that class. Now, I don't know anything about Legends, but apparently we only have the Legends Coupe. But he was saying there's this whole other class, you know, called Wagons, Legends Wagons or something. Is this a step up from Bandoleros, Legend Cars? I think so. Then I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, uh, it sounds cool. The more the merrier. Uh, number three, favorite car and track combo. He loves the Skippy. He talks about Skippy at VIR because that's all they had back in the day at the beginning. He, he had a list of short tracks in his phone. Uh, he'd, hey, hey, this is the track we need to add. You know, he would tell iRacing. And so as, as they would go through, uh, you know, the 10 years or so of building up iRacing, he kept a, a list on his phone of, you know, and then he would tell them what one to get next. This one was pretty cool, and I think we've heard it before, but what was the story behind the call, uh, Car of Tomorrow scan? So basically, he had Tony Jr., his crew chief, send over a Hendrick car, no questions asked, and just had iRacing scan it at Junior Motorsports. No permission was seeked from Rick or Chevy or anyone. We just did it. Uh, I ha had to go through back channels to get the motor torque info. Uh, and get that to iRacing. I love it. He went rogue to create a whole series back Com when this started. Common deer. Yes, pretty. Which is funny because the COT car had to be scanned at least twice, if not three different times with the configurations they changed in one season with that thing. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm thinking about even in 2008, um, if they see Junior wheeling a car out on his own personal flatbed or small uh, late model trailer, I bet the random shop guy doesn't even ask a question about it. It's just Dale Jr. taking a car out. Yeah, he's uh, got all kinds of stuff he's involved in. He's got that uh, race car graveyard. I'm really, i I'm really surprised that a car could get out. Like, I know what you're saying that it's Jr., but still, like, it's Rick Hendrick's uh, facility. Like, it doesn't, doesn't just leave their facility. Now I well, want it to have been at night. I wanted them to have, have broken in. Uh, the lights are off. That'd make it even better. Like you actually had to break in, steal the car to get it scanned. That'd been awesome. I want to see him and Rick talk about this afterwards and see and see what Rick thought. They probably didn't have cameras in the shop back then. That'd be awesome to see stealing the car and wheeling it out. He's probably forgot about the car tomorrow with the wing anyway. He's like, I don't even remember that one. Like, it'll be like, where did all this baby powder come on? Oh, that's all on the car. All right, number five. What does it mean to you to still race as a member in special events? This is my passion. It's all of my free time that I have. When I am in a race, I want the same experience as all the other drivers. The pool of drivers has gotten so much larger that I've been relegated to a mid-pack status. His uh, old spotter says they move out of the way whenever they see Junior coming, so... Yep. Hey, just to go back there, Mike, uh, on our last topic there, I was just looking up Ned Yost in the uh, um, in the driver stats. He's only he's been a member since two thousand and eight, like he was talking about, but he's only raced up to two thousand nine and hasn't uh, raced since. Um, but I also found where his, he was talking on the podcast about his first win too, and. Uh, 
Um, I found that for the truck series race that he won at Daytona. He was talking about it as well. Oh, that's pretty cool. You found the stat and the race stats. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's got five total wins in his, in, uh, uh, how many career starts? It's just over 200 career starts. So it sounds like he, he hit the papyrus days back in the day. Then he got into iRacing and then just essentially stopped, uh, cold Turkey managing a professional baseball team probably does that to you. Yeah, I don't know. Full-time job. Yeah. Well, cool to see if he got back on. In 2015, he was, he won the world series as the manager for Can Kansas city. Oh, and uh, I'm also getting trolled on my uh, Twitter account from our social, our own social media for your Road King win. New Road yeah, King. We'll talk about that. <laughs> okay, first special events: the iRacing SCCA runoffs. Donnie. That's right. October 22nd, uh, iRacing will have their SCCA runoffs. The national championship runoffs is the end of the year championship race meeting for Sports Car Club of America. Uh, divisional champions and other top drivers from the SCCA's 116 regions are invited to participate in the runoffs. National championships are awarded to the winners of each class. The iRacing version will use super sessions, the top 40 drivers, and the points for the week in each of the corresponding series will be eligible to race in the super session. However, if someone doesn't show up, the next highest person in points is promoted. Are you guys getting involved? October 17th through the 22nd will be the super sessions. Well, those, those will be held on October 22nd and 23rd. Uh, I like the cars. I mean, they have the F2000 in here. Uh, so I'm, I would definitely run that. Now, I would run it during the week, but when it comes to the super session, I work. I'm going to miss it. I also understand this is the first time they've had a super session on Saturday and Sunday. And, and I believe I read somewhere that the Sunday one was to have a better time uh, a better european friendly time but yeah okay and then steve we have the iRacing 2022 crandon championship yeah the crandon championship is an iRacing special event held at crandon international raceway using the pro 4 off-road racing trucks it'll be uh, october 19th through the 20 october 23rd October 19th uh, through the 21st, two time slots, one o'clock GMT and 1500 GMT and one o'clock GMT on uh, October 22nd. October 22nd, 23rd, the super session taking the top 20 in overall points from the race week. And then uh, super session time slots Saturday, October 22nd at 1500 GMT and Sunday, October 23rd at 1 GMT. And it's uh, the information is listed in the forums there. You know, I just occurred to me as you were reading it how do they determine an overall winner when there's two different super sessions? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense, does it? It doesn't. I'm just like thinking about that. And I mean, it's a neat idea to have a different time slot. That's, you know, some four, you know, 14 hours different, you know, so it accommodates other people in the world. That's great. But, but I wonder how it works. I'm sure it must say in here somewhere, but I don't see it. All right. And then Greg, tell us about uh, Petit Le Mans. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I race and presents the Petit, uh, Petit Le Mans 
uh, powered by VCO. Um, it's a 10-hour endurance race held at uh, Road Atlanta. Um, it's a marquee event in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Um, it's going to be held, uh, that would be this weekend, uh, starting this weekend. Friday night uh, to Sunday. Um, just bringing it up here to see. Uh, there's three, four time slots. Uh, Friday, 2200 GMT. Saturday, 700 GMT. Saturday, 1200 GMT. And Saturday, 1600 GMT. Um, it's going to be basically the IMSA... Uh, LMP2 and the GTD car class um, for it. So uh, field size of 45. Uh, stop and go is after 50 incidents and then 20 after that. And then every 20 after. Um, pretty good event. Uh, Road Atlanta is not one of my favorite tracks, but uh, I do like an endurance race at uh, that track uh, just to... Uh, participated i don't think i'll have time this weekend for it but uh good luck to anybody that does get a chance to race in it there's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising sim coaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals they've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost no longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. podcast housekeeping notes don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us don't forget to mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out on the fun check out our discord and our website iracerslounge.com we're in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network and also the sim channel on roku tv all right fantasy I did, pull I did pull it up, Mike, if you want me to go over it or if you have it. Yeah, please. All right. I didn't notice it wasn't in the script, but I got it here. Uh, so for Talladega, Louder Racing uh, finished first. I was number two. Mean Machines, 38. Uh, Michael Dreigers, uh, number four. And Cody R, number five. Pretty interesting. I went with last week's... Um, so I got completely lucky here. I went with last week's roster because I made a mistake, didn't set a roster, which means I wasn't even up for those 40 bonus points, and I was still managed second place just by sheer luck. But our highest Tafosi member down... Looks like uh, Rochette down at 20, yep. and then yep. uh, right, right behind him... Is Tony Groves, Tony Groves and yep. Greg Hectost in 21st. Yep. And then for the playoffs, uh, I am not a professional. I haven't. I don't think we've called his name out at all uh, this season. But he's number one, louder racing number two, and I climbed up to the third spot, tied with my dog for the the playoff standings. You're still within range. Go get it. 
honestly didn't even look after the last race. I, I remember not putting a, a roster in. I was like, well, I'm out for, for the rest of this one. And then I just happened to look right now in third place. So I'm not terrible. What's, uh, what's left? Five races? I think, no, we'll have 10. F oh, five left? Yeah, five left. Wow. It really goes fast here at the end. It's amazing what 30, was it 38 weeks, 39 weeks by the time the season from the start to finish? Do you guys remember September at all? <laughs> it just blew by, didn't it? Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware Software is brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. Are you looking for that next sim rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, then feel free to contact us. Check out our Etsy store at Supreme 3D Printing. Okay, Steve, how about the IR Sidekick Controls Program? Yeah, there's a post in the in the uh, iRacing forums, and it's uh, under why isn't there a wheel profile? And uh, so the uh, they're asking the wheel profile would be a keybind profile that so you set for each wheel to use. For I could have a keybind profile for wheel one and a second profile for wheel two. When I change the wheel, I select the new wheel and the options or control panel. It's very frustrating to have to reset keybinds each time you change the wheels or some janky third-party software to try to map different keys on different wheels to a single output. So somebody answered here, a guy named Martin Lanza, um, and uh, the best answer they came up with was, uh, we do have ways to achieve the same results. Many people manually copy the controls.cfg files. You can use my IR Sidekick Controls program to do this for you. It's pretty, it's, it's a pretty and graphical tool which can save and swap steering wheels for you when iRacing is not running. And uh, looks like a really, really great program here um, to do that. This probably be something that you'd use on Mike. Well, perhaps. I mean, this is intriguing because in the sim, there's a check mark that says custom controls. And when you check that, it remembers the specific wheel you have and the specific wheel button mappings. Um, now, if you want, and that does it by car, and so every time you get it, so every time I get in the F2000 and I'm using my road wheel, all the buttons are right and so forth. And then if I'm in NASCAR, I'm using my oval. But like today when I'm running NASCAR, but I'm on the roval, maybe I want to run my, my uh, formula wheel. And this was what you would do if you wanted to do that, where you want to switch in the same car between two different wheels. And so the NASCAR is kind of a good example of that because, hey, we run road courses. Maybe you want to run your formula wheel. You can with something like this. Now, you can easily do it just by copying the files and renaming them and, and trying to track them that way. But this tool makes it, like, like you said, very easy to see. They show a picture of the wheel and everything. And so it's very graphical and easy to manipulate. Um. Mike, is this obviously this program? All it's doing is basically 
swapping those files. That Y and I file that uh, is for the Joy's part of it, right? The Joy-Con or whatever they call that file. It's controls.cfg. Yeah, it's basically just moving that file around. You know, you have different versions of it. Yeah, it looks like they got YouTube tutorial too to show you how to do all of it. Huh? What other car would you want to run two different wheels on? Uh, it could be, depending on the track, I would be changing between two different wheels if I was in the V8 supercar. But mostly in the V8 supercar, I would run my Formula or my McLaren rim. So I don't know, it's hit or miss. But you're right, Mike. The the, the stock car seems to be the the one where you would change for road courses. But I think some of these, some people on the sim have multiple road wheels and multiple oval wheels too, right? That's the real answer. It's like, oh, you're one of those guys that collects formula wheels. You have 10 of them. Uh, and you want to switch between them easily on the same car, obviously, and, and run all of them. So that's really what this is for is those folks who have multiple wheels. Now, I don't see myself having more than one of oval and one of road, but who knows? If that Bentley rim ever comes out, I'm sure you're going to look for that one. Uh, I think it gets announced the same day the Thrustmaster wheel gets announced. Ooh. All right, Greg, you got the next one, a German iFly. Yeah, so 3D Sim Gear is uh, putting out, uh, they're calling it a, uh, or they're out of Germany, um, but it's an iFly. It's a basically, I'm guessing, it's showing a 3D printed um, casing with a carbon fiber texture look on the front of it with a whole bunch of LEDs in it. Um, um, but it's a pretty, uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to call it basic because, you know, somebody put some work into this, but it is a pretty simple design for an iFlag. It shows, there's some pictures here showing, obviously it shows you, you can show you the gear that it, it's in. Um, there's a bunch of sims it's it's good for. Um, so I think it's, I think it's pretty, uh, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like this yeah. one's listed for 54 euros. Uh, they got some other flags on their site as well. This is their more expensive one, but it ranges, looks like from, they even have one for 15 bucks or 15 euros. It looks like they have three to four uh, days of shipping, but then it says abroad might may vary, but this is a European uh, main, or, um, supplier. Okay, so I was wrong here. So from what I can gather here, uh, it's, 20 or two millimeter uh, carbon. So it's a fully, a full carbon um, box that it comes in. Um, and there's also some more details here on the site. The module is uh, automatically recognized by SimHub, which is a bonus because that's a good product to uh, run it off of. Um, you can, the brightness can be adjusted, um, have warnings in the module, spotters. Uh, and things like that. So it's kind of, uh, it's really nice to have uh, a product like that. Yeah, I get what you're saying by by simple, but looking at their picture on their site, it actually illuminates pretty decent so you can uh, uh, see the icons that it displays. But just on, you know, a quick overview of it, it does look pretty, pretty basic. But it looks good when it's lit up. It's thin, it's small, low, you know, small footprint. They have it mounted on the top in this picture. It looks like it's hanging underneath. It looks like your monitor support of some sort, um, but it looks like there's a mounting option on top of the actual device. 
I want to say, because there, there's some brackets that are offered on this site, too, with around it on the one part. So maybe there's brackets for it. I'm not sure. I can't tell how they have that mounted to oh, yeah, you're uh, right. in that one picture. One picture has brackets on the side, and the one picture, it's mounted up to the top. So, I mean, it's if I had something like this, I would probably have it mounted on the top of my center monitor just for my eye thing. I wouldn't use it for a gear selector, but I would use it. I do like the caution, uh, blue flag, things like that type uh, notice. Yeah, I use, uh, I've got uh, LEDs in my, in my goggles. I use VR kind of do the same thing. They're really helpful. Okay, moving on. I got, does the Moza CS button plate fit? Uh, we have a video from the Sim Racing Corner who uh, finds out for us, does the Moza button plate fit other aftermarket wheels? And so I watched this video and he found a couple that fit and some that don't. So uh, his OMP wheel fit. And I think there was another one, but there were several other wheels that didn't fit. And so the way the layout is on the on the Moza button box and quick release hub, uh, the the spokes of the wheel have to be fairly thin. You know, the button pattern is you know the normal spacing that most you know real steering wheels would fit on, but you really have to have those thinner spokes. And so, yeah, if you're into Moza or buying Moza. Uh, we finally see a way to put an aftermarket wheel on that base. That's good. It's a, a button plate that a lot of those proprietary companies uh, come out with. Um, yeah, so hopefully this is an option for somebody who wants to run, you know, not just a Mosa wheel. Okay, well, I remember it was OMP and Turn Racing. Turn Racing. That one fit as well, and that was a real nice wheel. Yeah, actually, I have turn on my list as a button plate. I plan on only going as, as far as the Delara, the Indy car for the open wheel side, and I don't need a whole lot of wheel. Um, so I've been looking at their button plates, the turn racing one, and their price ain't bad, and their, their plate looks great, and it's going to fit the wheel that I currently have now. But, yeah, no, this one has some good options. All right, Donnie, we got an Amazon sequential shifter. All right. Yeah. You sent this to me this week, Mike. Um, and actually I've been, I've seen about six review videos on this throughout the last couple months. I'm just curious on, this is an Ally Express shifter that you can buy on Amazon. If you went to Ally Express, you can, I think we talked about something from them. A couple, oh, Simjack pedals. So this shifter um, is basic and I've, it uses mag, magnets inside to um, control um, the forward and, and backward throw of the shifter. Uh, but all the reviews I've watched on it, um, everybody likes it um, for 129 bucks. If you are in the market for a sequential shifter, it is loud from what I hear on the videos. Nobody ever addresses the noise really too much in the videos. Makes a decent si decent pop, which I'm not too crazy about. But the only reason I I was watching videos on this one prior to you sending me this just by chance was uh, I thought this would be a decent option as a filler. Uh, before Lawrence builds his that should be out uh, spring, summertime next year. That way, um, if I had to for this Fanatec one, for whatever reason went away, you do get a little issues with the Fanatec uh, shifter from time to time. But this one inside mechanically is very basic. There's not a whole lot that can go wrong with this guy. It's kind of 
kind of like yeah. your A-logs. It's uh, on the same yeah. design space as your A-logs. Yeah, at a much lower quality, uh, much, a little, quite a bit thinner. Uh, it looks like it's easy to mount. Um, plugs right into USB, real simple, like you said, and a good price. And it's on Prime. You just send that stuff back. That's the best part. Not too much of our hobby is on Prime. They know we're cheap. Well, I'm not going to buy the cheap Chinese crap for my rig, to be honest. I'm kind of a, I'm, my rig's very international, you know? I got my button box from Poland, and I got my shifter from Russia, and I got my wheel from Italy, and I got my rig from Finland. And, you yeah. have some Canadian parts too, don't you? I got, yeah, I got Canadian and German, and yeah, so it's a very international flavor. I was trying to go the American route, but I did buy some Canadian product lately, so... North American, we'll call it a North American rig. I'm all Canadian and German. I'm almost all American except for my rig itself, people in Australia. Yeah, I was looking. I don't think we make a rig. It, I wasn't able to find one. There was an iFlag a couple months ago from Mexico that we saw that I think we all liked. I uh, wouldn't mind giving that a go because the price wasn't terrible. Then I still keep it in the North American family. All right, Steve. We got Corsair communication about power supplies. Yeah, I got to thinking after uh, last week's podcast about the, uh, I've got a 1200 watt Corsair PSU. So I emailed their tech support to ask them, you know, if it was going to be compatible because I was kind of worried about the communication between the new 40 series cards and uh, the PSU. And so they sent me an e email back and said that they don't have any ATX 3.0 uh, PSUs, but that their Type 4 Corsair PSUs are compatible with the 40 series GPUs using a uh, special 8-pin power connector to a 12, 12 volt connector that will be included with the 40 series graphic cards. What's interesting is, um, Lost you. And um, so I went. Lost you. Oh, I'm sorry. I went to uh, I went to uh, their website to see if I could purchase the cable, and they were out of stock on it. So if this is any indication of what's going to happen with the 4090 series cards, I put in an e or put my email address to be notified when they came in. Well, last night at uh, 12:30. I got notification that the cables were in. I got in at 12.35 and they were out of stock. <laughs> so my question here, Steve, if you know the answer maybe, is they're saying it's compatible. Like, yeah, we have 1200 watts. It'll drive this 600 watt card. And yes, the, the 4090, and we'll see in the unboxing video later, comes with these adapters to plug them in. But I don't feel like they have communication. Uh, it's just the adapters to supply the power, I believe. There's not a link for the communication, which is what that video last week was commenting about that, hey, there's a there needs to be communication between the card and the and the power supply so the so everything can be regulated correctly, right? Yeah, that's correct. So I did some more research to find out if I could find a 3.0 power supply. 
and um, really there's there's a couple companies that are making them but they're i've read reviews on them and they're kind of the cheap power companies and i they had them there was a couple on egghead and they all had like really bad reviews um, but msi is coming out with a uh with a 1300 a thousand and a thousand watt um, pci5 3.0 power supply it's not available yet and i can't really find out where when it's going to be available that one actually has a communication ports going. So it'd be a 12 pin connector from the car to the power supply instead of using the adapter. And I kind of think that's probably the way I'm gonna go if I can find a you know, power supply. I don't wanna take a chance on frying my system using an adapter, even though of course air says it's okay. Right. Are we gonna get to a point one day where we're gonna need a 220? To, for our, our power supplies for our computers, probably. I, I know I've got I've got uh, three three old gaming computers, and when I turn on my rig, you know my power dims, so that's not too good. Well, heck, twenty four thousand watts is is for your outlet one twenty, so we're we're almost there. What a thousand for that one? So maybe who knows? We're getting there. So yeah. when I built this house and designed this office i purposely added a second 15 amp circuit in this room so there's two 15 amp circuits to, so i don't have any power problem i actually have my rig going um, my rig and my air conditioner for my going out to my rv uh, my rv parking slot out back so i don't have to worry about blowing the pieces in the house all right, Donnie, we have info about Intel's 13th gen release. Yeah, so it looks like they uh, they cover the gamut here. And there was a forum post about all the new releases with the Intel cards. Yeah, so Bino Van Rensburg, he posts into the forums. Uh, seeing there's a discussion thread for the newly released AMD 7000 series processor. Here's one for the latest Intel 13 gen parts. And then he goes over, um, he posts a picture of a list of all the different uh, chips and their prices, all, all the way from the i5 down to the i9. But uh, he, say, he continues to say, he sees the PC case gear here in Melbourne, has them available for pre-order. Um, don't know what that third, quite a knee collection coming in. I would imagine that the 13900KF will be one I might go for. Uh, but yeah, he um, just lists a, a brochure as well of what chips are coming, uh, some specs for the chips, and then a potential price for them. So I'm not sure if these prices here reflect where he's from. I'm pretty sure uh, they're going to be Australian, Australian prices. Yeah. So, um, yeah, looks like uh, the 13th generation's coming out. So is Australian dollars and dollars the same? or? I think they're higher than ours. God, because they better be, because this... This i9 13900K, the better one, 1100, it says, 1100. Yeah, oh my God, it's a lot of money for a chip. And I remember the, when I bought my last chip, it was 400 maybe? And that was yeah, like my, the best money you could buy at the time. Greg, which chip did you get and how much is it? If I remember correctly, it was the Ryzen 58. 100 i think it was or whatever 5800 uh, i think it was only like 450 or 
$500, something like that. It wasn't expensive. Yeah, for that chip, Mike, uh, at B&H, I just pulled up a Google search, and it's 629 Okay, that sounds a little bit better. Holy cow. 629 though. I mean, that's the thing. I, I was kind of just thinking in the last few weeks, man, I got to start thinking about a new build. And because uh, I had some FPS issues, and man, if I'm going to build one, I'm going to buy the best money you can buy. I mean, that's what I always do. So, man, you look at these chips, and what'd you say, 679? Wow. And then you got to get a motherboard and crazy power supply, and then this $1,500 graphics card, and wow. I saw some uh, speed results on the new Ryzen chips that got released, and it looks like they're going to be faster than these running at six gigahertz. Now, how much are these Intels, does it say? 5.8 gigahertz. Yeah. So based on that, Steve, I mean, it, AMD is probably going to be the, the choice to, to go with, with iRacing anyway, right? Yeah, I believe so. I'm, I'm running a Ryzen uh, 5950 right now, and it's, it, it's faster than the other Intel chips I had. So I did have some issues with uh, the VR on it, the, the, the G2 plugging into the uh, USB ports, but I've rectified that now, or I rectified it soon after. Is yours the uh, Ryzen 9? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, moving on, I got this one, boy. The Asher Racing F64 V3. V3, they finally came out with a new wheel. Now, when I was shopping wheels, guys, it was uh, down to these two. It was Cube Controls or Asher Racing. Now, why would I want to pick an Asher Racing wheel? This thing is a beauty. I mean, it looks like a real racing wheel. And it doesn't, it's not flashy. It doesn't have all the flashy buttons like a lot of these wheels do with LED. And it's got actual metal uh, buttons, powder coated in different colors. Um, the buttons just look awesome. Uh, grips, very similar to the cube control. You know, double pa paddles. Um, it's, it very much looks like the version two uh, of this wheel um and, and so the version three has come out and um it just looks great i can tell you if i'm spending almost eleven hundred dollars as at euros or pounds i would be hoping like in my opinion i don't like this wheel it kind of reminds me of, it's too basic in the print design for it but for that price tag it seems a little overpriced um for what you get because at that price tag, I'm expecting, you know, maybe to have, maybe close to being in the price range of having an LCD screen in it or something. But it just seems uh, crazy. It, it has all the features you need. It just seems very, very basic. And I think that's, Greg, you just hit on why I didn't pick it. <laughs> um, why I went with the flashy one. You know, I'm looking, I'm going for a look, you know. Um, and, and so the LEDs, I don't know if I, you know, it's at my ADHD, you know, drawing it in and I like the bright colors and stuff. I, I don't know, but I chewed on this decision for a long time before I made the decision to go with cube controls. But if you're looking at formula wheels without a display, you have to consider this wheel. I mean, 
I, I just feel like it's got a really high quality to it. It's just a matter of does it fit your style? You know, maybe you're in VR and you don't need the flashy LEDs. Maybe this would be better uh, in that scenario. Yeah, it's a beautiful wheel. The buttons are really impressive. That's the thing. The buttons are super impressive. I, I think another key factor in my decision was the cabling. If you look at the back of this wheel in the pictures, it's it's got a screw-on connector. Um, now this cube control wheel's got this fancy, fancy magnetic uh, connector connector, and it's really next level. Um, you know, it's easy to take it on and off. You, you know, you don't have to worry about breaking a cable or or that kind of thing because it's magnetic. When it if it gets stretched too much, it's gonna it's gonna break. It's gonna naturally come loose. So I really like the design on the cube control cabling. Uh, that was another key factor in my decision. I like the one thing I do uh, admire with this one, Mike, when you look at it, I mean, the, the buttons, like Steve said, are really nice, like the anodized colors that they use for a lot of the, uh, the t push or the twist knobs and uh, things like that. But the one thing that I really like about this wheel that I think was the biggest misstep um, in Fanatec's design is these these are not capped buttons. They're a full button where they don't have to worry about um, the cap falling off. I've broken so many caps on my Fanatec rims. It's just you're basically I'm just down to not having any caps on them at all and having the rough surface underneath. Yeah, I get the impression that the button quality is a real racing wheel quality. Okay, it's not a Fanatec plastic button. It's it's a beauty. I don't see a lot of innovation though from their their V2 to the V3, at least visually. Now yeah, the website's in German and I can't really read it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like in their description here that they've uh, that the feels just better too. It says it feels better in their hands. Okay. I feel like two not two of those rotary knobs were added to it. I don't I don't know I don't remember those two blue ones. Um, near the center of the rim on the old one, but I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Maybe those are new. Yeah, I wonder if um, I'm going to go to the Simcoach shop on Monday. I'm curious if how far along they are on their wheel. See what, what progress they've made. All right, let's keep moving. Donnie, the all-in-one gaming Phantom Edition. Yeah, so they got a, uh, they call it a complete uh, ready-to-race rig. I don't believe it comes with the monitor, but what you guys are looking at there is uh, 9.19. That's the looks like it's US dollars. Uh, comes with a powder coat finish of black, um, and what you see there's kind of what you get. They have a unique uh, monitor mount there. It looks like some 80/20 uh, on an upright from a flat platform that mounts a single monitor, um, but it doesn't mention that that comes with it. I'm looking at the right over here, and I don't think the monitor, oh, it says monitor, chair, wheel, pedals, uh, illustration purpose only, sold separately. So don't even get the, um, the feet that you see in the picture. Uh, doesn't come with it as well. Yeah, when you go to a build it, it's an option. Uh, you just, if you start building it, then it'll uh, give you all the options of what you want to add to it. Okay, yeah, I see there. I mean, it's, it's different. It's got a different, um, Looks like they mount the wheel below a top uh, cross member, which then that cross member you 
you use that upright to mount the monitor. It's different. I haven't really seen it done that way before. Do you find it odd that they don't offer like a triple mount stand or triple mount offering for this or with us or a single mount? It looks like the single mount's the only one that they have. That looks like that's all they have. They don't have an option option for it at all. I think this is US based company. Yeah, I'm looking at their monitor mount under accessories. They've got a monitor stand that seems awfully cheap. That can't be real. Hundred dollars. That thing looks massive. Their fourth monitor mount's 159. That can't be right for that monitor stand. Okay, so they do have triple mount stands. Uh, also a bigger curve stand. Um, but they don't offer anything that attaches to the rig to have a triple mount. Are you, like. their, oh. are you under their monitor mount section? Yeah. Look at the monitor mount that is for triples. Do you see the price? Which one? There's two, there's two different ones. They have a pro one here at the bottom. This one is the phantom side support bar. Oh, side support bars. I just got to read, I guess. They have a, so they have a pro monitor heavy duty stand for up to 55 inch. I guess if you got TVs, you want to do it. It's a almost a thousand dollars. They have a pretty cool looking pedal tray, the way it is customizable and where you can put it basically got wheels on both sides in certain a circle with, you know, mounting points all around the edge of the circle. So you can go up and down and twist it and, and get it up high or low or wherever you want. Yeah, it looks like they've got five different versions of the rigs uh, from the 80 series all the way up to the 160 series and the 40 series. Yeah, just want to bring up all these companies that provide these products because uh, we get talking about some and I don't want to forget the others. And man, I mean, there's a lot of good quality in some of these. So I tell you what. Yeah, I've never heard of these guys. So I'm curious uh, to learn more about them. Uh, maybe uh, see a video a rig on the SRG one day. Where are they located? I, can't I think they're US-based, but it doesn't say on their website. But I believe from memory they're US-based. Uh, and the website's been updated since the last time I've, I've talked about them. Um, so they've made progress for sure. Okay, there's one more story, and I don't know why it's not on the script. I added it like an hour ago. Um, Cube Controls has uh, announced their CSX three wheel, and it's going to be for sale starting Monday. It's going to be 1500 euros. I watched a video on it today, uh, uh, you know, uh, from, from a YouTube, you know, a reviewer. Um, it's basically the wheel I have with a with a display on it is what it is. Um, the button layout, the grips, the paddles, the back of it, everything's identical to what I have. The connector, the magnetic connector. Um, it's got a nice touch display that is run by SimHub. Um, his only complaint in the review was the the display is recessed, and when he was you know sitting GT style and would look down at the display because it was recessed, he couldn't see the very top of the display. I mean, it was a very minute complaint, uh, but he, he'd rather see the display flush. Um, other than that, I mean, great review. The product just looks awesome. I mean, when you look at it, it 
that's the reason I bought the Italian cube control because of the way it looks. I mean, it looks like a freaking piece of art. And um, anyway, I was drooling. I was second guessing, man, I should have waited and got one with a display, but I don't know. I, I guess I don't, I don't need the display. Um, but if you're into the market for a formula wheel, you have got to check out this CSX three from cube controls. 1500 euros it's and i cannot recommend this company enough One. hey with that we're going to talk results about the nascar i racing series my bread and butter talladega <laughs> uh donnie how about you start p8 yeah, P8. So it was it was good. I qualified P4. I stayed up front for the most part. Um, at one point there at the end with like five to go, I restarted 16th, uh, worked my way up to P3. Uh, I think uh, that was a two lap stretch. And then we had a, a green white checker there at the end, ended up uh, getting P8 um, to avoid some shenanigans at the end. But what I learned last week um, from the previous week was to not care so much about I rating and safety rating. Um, so the, I ran the truck, I ran the B car, and I ran the cup car at Talladega last week. And I didn't race, obviously I didn't race, you know, over my head and whatnot. I just raced with the mentality of, I don't care if I wreck, I don't know if that's the right word either, but I just raced with a different mindset. I had way more fun. I was way more aggressive. I learned that I can do things um, that I wasn't able to do before. And I raced up front more, which, which was nice. Um, so yeah. so going forward i want to try to race as much because before last week man i kind of hated super speedway racing because it was just kind of a crap shoot but i'm learning that there's a little bit of a, a skill involved and you can utilize that skill to get to the front stay up front so yeah p8 it was it was fun enjoyed all of last week all right very good greg you were wrecked out i think like me and you were in the same split there were we not um yeah back-to-back -back numbers too i think it was like 13 and 14 or 12 and 13. um anyways uh i felt back a bit i think you were on the bottom line and moving around between the bottom and the top and i just didn't like where i was at for a bit there and i kind of moved back just a bit and right where i moved uh, a little bit in front of me the ch uh, chain reaction happened and nobody checked up and i got ran over and i touched the wall pretty hard with the right side and with these cars it's just you just can't do it it breaks the breaks something in the rear end and it just i was done right i got a dnf i had a great race I actually led some laps uh the most laps uh, i was leading on the outside it was three to go and i had a guy behind me that guy said he was gonna stay with me via private message so on the back stretch, going into the three, he decided to go low on me and leave me out there. And when he got, when he did that, he got hooked by the guy on the bottom and it wrecked all three of us. Uh, they were able to continue and I was done. I couldn't even uh, finish the race. That was gonna be the one I won too. I was in position to win, absolutely in position to win. And that guy was supposed to stay with me too. And, Man, I called out to him over the radio. It's like, dude, we would have won that thing. And, and, she, and he wrecked us instead. And he's like, man, I blew it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you had Steven spotting you. I remember listening to you guys that entire race. 
Uh, but looks like Tony Rochette, uh, he finished P20. He had a fellow iRacer stop uh, before pit road when he was trying to pit, giving him a passing under yellow, and he couldn't get his lap back after that. So he sounded like he was doing good up until that point, um, but it's hard to get the laps back if nobody crashes. Yeah, I think it was, uh, Steven, you were up in the air on the helicopter watching, I, I believe. Yeah, it wasn't me. They had a Stephen Llewellyn and then Brian was in the Oh, helicopter. Steve Llewellyn, okay. All right, let's talk Sunday Open. Tony Rochette, P4. Hung out with a couple of guys that we just stayed one through three the whole race. Tried to make a move on the last lap and lost a spot. All right, Steve, here's P21. Yeah, I started. Uh, lost you. Can you hear me? There yeah. I started 21st, or I started 31st. And I uh, ran in the back most of the race, and I got up to third around lap 86 and tried to avoid a wreck and got doored by my poor decision making. I I should have just fallen back behind the, the two cars in front of me, but I, I kind of was going fast and got between them and got doored. So I ended up going through the grass and then just at, and then hit the pits. So I got a black flag for going through the pits. And uh, so anyways, I rode a few more laps. I ended up parking it because I couldn't get any more spots. And there was another caution, so I didn't want to get wrecked out completely. So I just parked it. I didn't lose any, I didn't get, I wasn't going to gain any spots. And I wasn't going to lose any spots. So uh, I ended up each so, All right. You guys have been on, on this obviously a lot longer than I have. So barreling down pit road to avoid a wreck, obviously for us and iRacing as a penalty, we trigger some kind of coding somewhere. Has it ever been discussed or is it even an option for them to, once that yellow flag waves, then they can get rid of that boundary on pit road to prevent the penalties? I think the coding is way too hard to make the distinction of what you're doing there because like, say at like Talladega, they start spinning there and you go straight for pit road, there's no guarantee that that caution comes out before you hit that pit road. And I just, I think it's one of those codes that they just don't need to to worry about adding to it because I think the variables in them change way too much. Yeah, I think the, one of the even worse spots is at Talladega crossing the finish line to avoid a wreck you might clip pit exit and your P2 or three or four is now into the uh, lead lap and that that's kind of a killer. But right. David, he got a P8. Uh, he said too few cars can make the low line fast, so every restart was a race to the wall. <laughs> Go get hung out. All right, Sunday 5th, P20. Man, I didn't get a Talladega win. Man, that just burns my child. Just a little bit. Uh, title idea. I ran top five, and I led some laps. Early on, we had a great seven car breakaway with a four second lead. Then after the green flag stops, 11 second breakaway. Eventually, caution started happening and I got involved, but a little damage. I kept working my way up, but got completely destroyed on the white and literally could not finish P20. Tyler Williamson, P30. And then Steve, you got a P12. Yeah, I started lost you i started uh in the back again and uh, we had a first caution with like uh, there's four or five laps into the race 
And uh, I ended up like in 11th spot and everybody was driving so crazy. I thought, I don't want to be up here. So I, I didn't go through the pits the first time. So the second time we came around, the pits were closed. So I ended up getting a black flag. I didn't know that's how it works. And uh, so I ended up going two laps down with the black flag. And then, so Mike was on there racing and he told me, he says, ah, just, just keep racing. You'll get them back. So I ended up getting a, two laps back and then uh, I was on the lead lap with one to go and the caution came out or I was leading actually I was leading with two laps to go and the caution came out and uh, then on the way to green white checkered and I ended up getting wrecked on the black flag on the white flag lap and a huge crash and my car was so damaged I couldn't even it wouldn't even drive so I ended up uh, a lap down. I don't know why he gave me a lap down in E12. Now, I want to point out, you were two laps down. You're about ready to walk out of there. And you ended up leading the race at the end. And if you wouldn't have got that last caution, you would have won that race easy. Yeah, I was going to win it. Yep. So you said stay out there. It definitely paid off. You got to remember, these are long races. You know, these, there's time to, to make stuff happen. And so... Yeah, you always stay in it to win it, and uh, that proves it, man. You can come back, especially in these lower splits. If you get in these higher splits, it's a little bit harder to do that. Yeah, I guess it depends how many uh, cautions you get, too. All right. Bittersweet Talladega. Moving on to the Charlotte Roval. I got, I started P14. I got to P8 by the end of lap one. Eventually, I got to P5. By lap 13 but then i kind of hip checked the wall both tires at the same time on that turn right before it comes up on the oval and it killed the car i greg i mean i showed you the video you knew exactly what happened it was eight minutes damage well on that that part of the wall sucks coming before you get onto the track it's that little shoot before you uh turn up onto the banking and if you hit that the wrong way it sends the car out of control. And I think sometimes it grabs the car the wrong way. Um, like it's not modeled physically right, but yeah, you definitely broke an end link or something in the back rear end and that was it. Yeah, but a toe link, I broke a toe link, I think is what it was. But anyway, it was eight minutes damage. I got the repairs and then I came back out. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it was not fun, even though, uh, you know, I came back out, you know, I worked my way back up to 16th. I think I was 20th after uh, repairs. But there, you know, through attrition, I was able to get up a few more spots. Not too bad, P16. And then David Hall, P17, top split, only got my spots on survival. All right, Thursday open, P1, baby. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I can't believe it at the Roval. I qualified P4. I got the third pretty quick, battled with second all the way to the pit stop. Like literally, I was one second behind him. I got him right before the pit stop. I got by him and, and took that battle. Meanwhile, the leader who had gapped us, I guess he crashed out and wrecked or he quit. I don't know. But after a green flag pit stop were done, I inherited the lead. I had a 14 second gap on the guy I was racing before. I was able to maintain that gap for the rest of the race. 
So that's three wins this year, the Bristol Dirt, Atlanta, and the Charlotte Roval. It's my 86th career win. Yeah, three different tracks and taking over uh, the moniker as Road King here on Stop the Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> It's already absolutely I've already being trolled by Tyler on the, our our uh, Twitter account. He's already personally messaging the Frozen Cactus account. Now you know you need to step up uh, tomorrow night, Greg, and see if you can uh, get that win. We'll see. I uh, sometimes it's difficult uh, for David and I because we get thrown into the top splits and uh, we don't have as good a luck sometimes, and that's okay. I, I, I like the challenge of racing with those guys and uh, um, you know one of the one of the things I was thinking the other day um, you remember we have the conversation sometimes what driver do we think we are we more most resemble in um, real life to sim type thing I feel like after I saw AJ Allmendinger getting signed um, to come back to cup I feel like I, I have his more more of his profile. I'm a good road racer with a cup car and probably with more of an average oval driver. That's a good comparison, actually. Uh, and a fair one, I think. Yeah, I can't believe I got the win. I, I, You know, it was Tuesday night. I think I went to go practice. And I thought, oh, wait, it's a wait, roval. What? What did you do? I went to go practice. Well, I do run the AI races now for practice. I thought about so. it. <laughs> I, I went to do it and I and I went into the chat and I told you guys some choice cuss words about the Roval. I mean, I, I'm not a fan. I, I didn't think I was going to get a good result here. And so to come away with a win, wow, that's something. Well, no, you did. Congrats, Mike. That's the that Roval's not one of the, you know, a lot of people make pretty good time on the Roval, but um, it's good to see. Um, you probably obviously kept it on the track and, and kept it uh, clean for most of the race, which is one of the biggest things you got to do, especially there, because you can, um, I think it's turn three, the double right-hander, if you miss the breaking point in the wrong spot, you're in the wall, or the exit of three or four there, um, you you can end up on the grass, and you, there's a lot of places you can screw up, so to have a clean race and come out like that, Mike, that's a it's good job, well done. Yeah, it was clean the whole way and no mistakes. But I gotta take, I gotta digress a little bit. After the green flag stop, when it looked like I was in position to win the race, and I had a 14-second lead, and I just had to run out like 20 laps or however many were left. Man, the, the stop, the thoughts going through your head of, I was like counting my my eggs before they hatch, kind of thing. You know, like I was thinking. Oh man, what am I going to tell the team about this? Oh man, I got to get a video of my donuts. Oh man, I need to save the replay. Oh man, we got to put this on social media, you know, about my third win of the year. And, and, and I haven't won it yet, you know, and I keep, you know, slapping myself silly. Focus, focus, quit thinking about it, you know, and, and just drive the freaking car. So yeah, the mental games that you play with yourself when you're in position to win, is uh, is something that you have to figure out. I think that's what the, the hardest thing about road racing is. I mean, I remember back, um, I mean, Steve, me and you've had some good battles and some road races back in, back in the ARCA days. Um, and the Xfinity car, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, me as a racer, personally, 
I don't like leading the a road course because trying to find your breaking points and stuff, it's always easier to chase somebody and either make them make a mistake late or something like that, or make a late race pass because what you said there, Mike, is so true. You start getting in your own head, you start and you start thinking of something and then that's when you miss your breaking point and miss a corner or you miss what a lap car is doing around you type thing. It's 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 all mental and the roadside is more like one of the most hard is one of the hardest disciplines to do and and come out clean on the other side of a, a race. Um, but it's that much more satisfying to do it, uh, especially now, Mike, too, with you jumping into road more road racing more this year with having your steering wheel and stuff like that. It, it it's all that much sweeter. Yeah, I think you know having the cube controls wheel and running the F2000, the Skip Barber have put me in position to win this Roval race. I mean, uh, I wasn't the fastest car out there. I do want to mention the leader who gapped us some 20 seconds before I pitted. He, I, you know, I don't want to call him out by name, but Tony knew who he was. And Tony said that he purposely tanks his I rating and runs in lower splits. He's a setup builder for one of the major setup companies out there. And so apparently he's supposed to be a much higher I rating guy and uh, and he proved it. And so I get the impression that maybe he didn't wreck out, that maybe he quit at the pit stop, uh, probably because, you know, he had gapped us and realized, you know, he's he's stealing candy from babies. And, and uh, you know, I appreciate him leaving the race and, and, and not ruining it for the rest of us because me and the other guy, uh, which I will call out Mark Antone Antoine, he was, we were really uh, the same speed. I mean, it, I was driving my tail off just try to, trying to keep up with him, but I did. And, and I eventually got him, but it was a heck of a race. And uh, he obviously made a mistake in the pit stops and, and, um, and I ended up with that 14 second gap over him. All right, moving on to other official. I ran the F2000 at Lanier. I was running P8 moving forward when I got tagged from the inside and spun. Uh, there was no caution, so I fell back to 12th. A few laps later, uh, somebody uh, spun in front of me and came back across the track, collected me and broke off both front corners of the car, D and F. And then, wow, Skip Barber at Mount Panorama, Bathurst. I wrecked in qualifying. There wasn't enough time to even try again. Started P6, eventually got to P2 and was literally within two and a half seconds of the leader when I caught a lap car and he basically stopped right in front of me and I drove right through him, DNF. I put this video in the chat and this was at the top of the hill uh, right before you go down. And my point was, it was he was just right in the groove and I didn't even have, I was going so fast I couldn't even you know miss him. It was crazy. All right, Donnie, NASCAR be open. Yeah, so after the NIS race, no, I raced the B Open Friday or Saturday night, uh, P7. It was a good run. Um, as I kept going along with the truck and the cup car, the confidence kept building. Um, so I just put the car on the on the track I haven't usually done before at, at Talladega. Uh, so P7 was good for me. I, I walked away with one incident point, and I think that was my fault. I hit the pit wall. I was trying to turn into the garage sometimes after the race like I like to do, even though it doesn't happen. And I actually hit the wall, gave me a 1X, so it was kind of a bummer. 
I ran a super late at Five Flags and didn't put any time or work into this one. Just hopped into a race, uh, finished P9. Um, there was no passing, actually. Nobody passed anybody. Um, no cautions, no nothing. Um, where were we at for... What does it say on there? I, I'm editing the script. Street Stock. Oh, yeah. Street Stocks in Michigan. So that was a lot of fun. I was hoping it'd be more like a plate-style race, but... Um, sorry, tape it space or style race. Uh, but it's still good. We were all bunched up there. Um, you almost do get a little sideways going around the corners, even on the two-mile track with the Street Stocks, but... Uh, it's a lot of fun. Probably do that again tonight. And I think the super lates are no idea where they're at tonight. I'll probably give those a go as well. All right. Hosted Chris McGuire hosted up supercars at Michigan P 12 came from dead last up to running ninth. I got hit and had the save of my life. I also put this chat in the chat. I had this thing down the back stretch of Michigan going left and right. It was like a slalom. But every time the thing was just about to spin out, I would stab the gas and it would like straighten out. And I eventually saved the car. Now, Brian McCubbin was running this with me, uh, surprisingly. Uh, he jumped in to the Chris McGuire hosted and uh, he crashed out, uh, but he ended up finishing the race. Uh, they had damage turned off and I don't think he really realized that. And then the next event we ran was Daytona prototypes at Talladega. Now during practice, they did what we called a wheelbarrow race. And so Brian McCubbin and Chris McGuire would line up nose to tail and Chris would push Brian while he had it in neutral and you had to push him all the way around the track as fast as you could. It was great fun and uh, Brian had a lot of fun trying to make that work. Um, I, during the actual race, I ended up, uh, crashing out because my stupid wheel force feedback turned off and, uh, it was enough to make me swerve and, and it ruined my race. All right. With that, let's jump to final thoughts. Donnie Spiker. Yeah. So not much. Um, thinking about what Greg was talking about earlier about, uh, comparing himself to, to AJ Allmendinger. I was trying to think of who would I compare myself to? Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to go with Corey LaJoy underfunded equipment. My only real shots now going forward, are probably going to be super speedways. Uh, now that I've kind of got a liking for him. So I'm going to go with that as my, as my real world counterpart. Um, yeah, no, uh, he's got a kickball tournament this weekend. I've got a softball tournament stars are lining up. So I guess my, uh, doppelganger will be Corey LaJoy. All right, Corey, Greg Hector's final thoughts. Um, Debating on if I'm going to run my league race tonight. I'm pretty wiped out after a 13-hour day of work, but uh, uh, I was glad to be back on the podcast tonight uh, with everybody here. Um, I look forward to running NIS tomorrow night, uh, especially the last road course of the season for the uh, cup cars. Um, I don't know. I don't got much more. I'm still working on a bunch of new things here, and Life keeps getting in the way of everything, and uh, I'm hoping we uh, start slowing down here going towards uh, the next couple months because uh, this has been one crazy year. It usually slows down during holiday time, right? Not my household. With my two girls and my wife, it's crazy. All right, Steve Thompson, final thoughts. Yeah, yeah I'll probably uh, think about comparing drivers. I'd probably compare to uh, like 
point that he's no longer racing NASCAR. So that's how I felt the last two races. You won last week. <laughs> After that, I felt like him. <laughs> I've never seen you make a hard left down pit road from the top top lane either. It, it, maybe it's come. Um, but anyways, I've been busy this week with work and stuff. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to, I'm going to try to race tomorrow night and then uh, catch a race or two on Sunday because uh, I, I definitely do like the road ball. Um, and that's pretty much it. Had, having a good time with you guys. and Enjoy uh, being on the team and on the podcast. All right. Welcome. All right. Well, my final thoughts, man, I can't believe I win a road course in NIS. Um, never thought I'd see that day, but here we are. I didn't think I'd win dirt either, but I, I ran a dirt, run, won the dirt race as well in NIS. Uh, and the new Atlanta. And so that's pretty cool too. So, man, it, it's turning out to be a good year after all. I mean, as I went through the first part of the year, I didn't think it was going to be a good one. I mean, I'm still like 28th in points. Um, I haven't looked to see if this win helps that. I'm sure it will. I'm trying to get to the front page, which is 1 through 25 in the in the standing. But we'll see if I can make it. There's only a few races left. As far as my equipment, you know, I've been debating uh, a computer build, but my wheel is really taking a turn for the worse. I mean, I'm losing the force feedback multiple times a race now, every race. When before it wasn't a big deal, but now it's happening more often. So I can push the button and it comes back, and sometimes I can't. Uh, during the roval, I, it probably turned off seven times. Uh, every time it did, I would lose time because of it. So it's literally costing me time on the track. And so enough's enough. I, it's time to get a new wheel. I'm going to wait. Uh, I'm in debt a little bit right now trying to pay that off. But as soon as SimiCube announces their announcement, which I hope is a new version of that pro wheel, uh, I'm probably going to buy me a SimiCube wheel. I've already told the wife. Uh, I've been thinking about redoing the cockpit a little bit because so, I'll have to get a, a different kind of mount for that wheel. So, so, yeah, I'm working on a project just trying to get it started. Hey, Mike, before you, we finish up here, uh, you are still 27th in the standings. Oh, I gained one spot. I got a question. How do you train your wife where you can tell her what you're going to buy? I always have to ask. I, I just kind of put it out there. She, she was asking me about money and, and credit card debt today, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to pay that off. And then my wheel's been having problems, so I'm going to be getting a new wheel pretty soon. Just never talk about your sim racing. That's pay half in cash. Uh, your fat, your fat attack wheel. It, it, is it under? It's not under warranty or anything. Huh? I don't know. I'm sure it's out of warranty, but I'm not. I, I'm done with fat attack. I, I've I've been done with them. I'm you know if I have to send it in, then I'm without a wheel, and I don't want to be without. So yeah, I'm more of a guy that I'm gonna I'm gonna cut bait and run. I'll sell it to somebody, some sucker. Maybe you can uh, send it back if it's under warranty and get it repaired and then sell. Then sell it, yeah. And I might do that, you know, but I'm not going to race with it. I'm going to end up with a semi-cube. Yeah, I'm get there. All right, with that, hey, we'll see you out on the track later.
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.